Section 37 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Rutger, September 9, 2021, Westford, Massachusetts. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder, translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley, Section 37, Book 37, Chapters 31 to 50. Chapter 31, Sarda, Five Varieties of It. Sarda, on the other hand, is remarkably useful for this purpose. A stone which shares its name in part with sardonyx. It is a common stone and was first found at Sardes, but the most esteemed kind is that of the vicinity of Babylon. When certain quarries are being worked, these stones are found adhering, like a kind of heart, to the interior of the rock. This mineral, however, is said to be now extinct in Persia, though it is to be found in numerous other localities, Paros and Assos, for example. In India, there are three varieties of this stone, the red sarda, the one known as peonia, from its thickness, and a third kind, beneath which they place a ground of silver tinsel. The Indian stones are transparent, those of Arabia being more opaque. There are some found also in the vicinity of Leucas, in Empiris, and in Egypt, which have a ground placed beneath them of leaf gold. In the case of this stone, too, the male stone shines with a more attractive brilliancy than the female, which is of a thicker substance and more opaque. Among the ancients, there was no precious stone in more common use than this. At all events, it is this stone that is made so much parade of in the comedies of Menander and Philemon. No one, too, among the transparent stones is tarnished more speedily by exposure to moisture than this though of all liquids, it is oil that acts the most readily upon it. Those stones which are like honey in color are generally disapproved of, and still more so when they have the complexion of earthenware. Chapter 32. Topazos, two varieties of it. Topazos is a stone that is still held in very high estimation for its green tints. Indeed, when it was first discovered, it was preferred to every other kind of precious stone. It so happened that some troglodytic pirates, suffering from tempest and hunger, having landed upon an island off the coast of Arabia known as Cytus, when digging there for roots and grass, discovered this precious stone. Such, at least, is the opinion expressed by Archelaus. Juba says that there is an island in the Red Sea called Topazos, at a distance of 300 studia from the mainland that it is surrounded by fogs and is often sought by navigators in consequence, and that owing to this, it received its present name, the word tapazin, meaning to seek in the language of the troglodytes. He states also that Philon, the king's prefect, was the first to bring these stones from this island, that on his presenting them to Queen Berenice, the mother of the second Ptolemaeus, she was wonderfully pleased with them, and that, at a latter period, a statue four cubits in height was made of this stone in honor of Arsinoe, the wife of Ptolemaeus Philadelphus, it being consecrated in the temple known as the Golden Temple. 
The most recent writers say that this stone is found also in the vicinity of Alabastrum, a city of Thebes, and they distinguish two varieties of it, the Prasoides and the Chrysopteron, which last is similar to Chrysoprasus, all the shades of it tending, more or less, to resemble the coloring principle of the leek. Topazus is the largest of all the precious stones and is the only one among those of high value that yields to the action of the file, the rest being polished by the aid of stone of Naxos. It admits, too, of being worn by use. Chapter 33. Kalena. With this stone we must also couple another, which resembles it more closely in appearance than in value, the stone known as Kalena and of a pale green color. It is found in the countries that lie at the back of India among the Phaikari, namely who inhabit Mount Caucasus, the Sake, and the Dahe. It is remarkable for its size, but is covered with holes and full of extraneous matter, that however which is found in Carmania is of a finer quality and far superior. In both cases, however, it is only amid frozen and inaccessible rocks that it is found protruding from the surface, like an eye in appearance and slightly adhering to the rock, not as though it formed an integral part of it, but with all the appearance of having been attached to it. People so habituated as they are to riding on horseback cannot find the energy and dexterity requisite for climbing the rocks to obtain the stones, while, at the same time, they are quite terrified at the danger of doing so. Hence it is that they attack the stones with slings from a distance, and so bring them down, moss and all. It is with this stone that the people pay their tribute, and this the rich look upon as their most graceful ornament for the neck. It constitutes the whole of their wealth with some, and it is their chief glory to recount how many of these stones they have brought down from the mountain heights since the days of their childhood. Their success, however, is extremely variable, for while some, at the very first throw, have brought down remarkably fine specimens, many have arrived at old age without obtaining any. Such is the method of procuring these stones, their form being given them by cutting, a thing that is easily effected. The best of them have just the color of smaragdus, a thing that proves that the most pleasing property in them is one that belongs of right to another stone. Their beauty is heightened by setting them in gold, and there is no stone to which the contrast of the gold is more becoming. The finest of them lose their color by coming into contact with oil, unguents, or undiluted wine even, whereas those of a poorer quality preserve their color better. There is no stone, too, that is more easily counterfeited in glass. Some writers say that this stone is to be found in Arabia also, in the nest of a bird known as the Melaniorophis. Chapter 34. Prosius, three varieties of it. There are numerous other kinds also of green stones. To the more common class belongs Prosius, one variety of which is disfigured with spots like blood, while another kind is marked with three streaks of white. To all these stones, Chrysopressus is preferred, which is also similar to the coloring matter of the leek, but varies in tint between topazes and gold. 
This stone is found of so large a size as to admit of drinking boats even being made of it, and is cut into cylinders very frequently. Chapter 35. Nilion. India, which produces these stones, produced nilion, also a stone that differs from the last in its dull diminished luster, which when steadily looked upon soon fades from sight. Sudines says that it is to be found also in the Siberus, a river of Attica. In appearance, it resembles a smoke-colored tapazos, or in some cases, a tapazos with a tint like honey. According to Juba, Ethiopia produces it upon the shores of the river known to us as the Nilus, to which circumstance he says it owes its name. Chapter 36. Molochitis. Molochitis is not transparent, being of a deeper green and more opaque than smaragdus. Its name is derived from the mallow, which it resembles in color. It is highly esteemed for making seals, and it is endowed by nature with medicinal properties, which render it a preservative for infants against certain dangers which menace them. This stone is a native of Arabia. Chapter 37. Iaspis. Fourteen varieties of it. Defects found in Iaspis. Iaspis, too, is green and often transparent, a stone which, if surpassed by many others, still retains the renown which it acquired in former times. Many countries produce this stone, that of India is like Smaragdus in color, that of Cyprus is hard and of a full sea green, and that of Persia is sky blue, whence its name Erizusa. Similar to this last is the Caspian Iaspis. On the banks of the river Thermodon, the Iaspis is of an azure color. In the Phrygia it is purple, and in Cappadocia of an azure purple, somber and not refulgent. Emesus sends us an Iaspis like that of India in color, and Chalcedon, a stone of a turbid hue but it is of less consequence to distinguish the several localities that furnish it than it is to remark upon the degrees of excellence which they present. The best kind is that which has a shade of purple, the next best being the rose-colored, and the next the stone with the green color of the smaragdus, to each of which the Greeks have given names according to their respective tints. A fourth kind, which is called by them borea, resembles in color the sky of a morning in autumn. This, too, will be the same that is known as Aerzusa. There is an Iaspis, also which resembles Sarda in appearance, and another with a violent tint. Not the less numerous, too, are the other kinds that are left undescribed, but they are all blue to a fault, or else resemble crystal in appearance, or the tints of the Mixa plum. There is the terebenthine-colored Iaspis also, improperly so-called in my opinion, as it has all the appearance of being a composition of numerous gems of this description. The best of these stones are set in an open bezel, the gold of which only embraces the margins of the stone, leaving the upper and lower surfaces uncovered. One great defect in them is a subdued luster and a want of refulgence when viewed from a distance. Rains, also like salt, appear within the stone, and all the other defects which are common to precious stones in general. 
Sometimes they are imitated in glass, a fraud, however, which may be easily detected from the material throwing out its refulgence instead of concentrating it within itself. To this class also belongs the stone called sphragis, which is only reckoned as belonging to the domain of precious stones from the circumstance that it is the best of all for making signets. Throughout all the East, it is custom, it is said, to wear iaspis by the way of amulet. The variety of this stone, which resembles smaragdus in color, is often found with a white line running transversely through the middle, in which case it is known as monogramos. When it is streaked with several lines, it is called polygramos. Here, too, I may take the opportunity of exposing the falsehoods of the magicians, who pretend that this stone is beneficial for persons when speaking in public. There is a stone also that is formed of iaspis and onyx combined and is known as iasponyx. Sometimes this stone has a clouded appearance, sometimes it has spots upon the surface like snow, and sometimes it is stellated with red spots. One kind resembles salt of Magara in appearance and another is known as capneas and looks as if it had been smoked. We have seen in our day an aspis 15 inches in length, which a figure of Nero was made armed with a caress. Chapter 38. Cyanos, the several varieties of it. We must also give separate account of cyanos, a name which until very recently was given to a species of aspis on account of its cerulean color. The best kind is that of Scythia, the next best being the produce of Cyprus, and last of all that of Egypt. An artificial kind is much in use that is prepared by dyeing other substances, and this invention is looked upon as one of the great glories of the kings of Egypt, the name of the king who first discovered it being still preserved in their annals. This stone, too, is divided into male and female, and sometimes it has the appearance of being powdered with a golden dust, in much the same way as Sapphiros. Chapter 39, Sapphiros. For Sapphiros, too, is refulgent with spots like gold. It is also of an azure color, though sometimes, but rarely, it is purple, the best kind being that which comes from Medea. In no case, however, is this stone diaphanous in addition to which it is not suited for engraving when intersected with hard particles of a crystalline nature. Those among them who have the color of cyanus are generally thought to be the male stones. Chapter 40. Amethystus. Four varieties of it. Socondion, Sapanos, Farnitis, Aphrodites, Blepharon, Anteros, or Pederos. We will now commence with another class of precious stones, those of a purple color, or whose tints are derived from purple. To the first rank belongs the amethystus of India, a stone which is also found in the part of Arabia that adjoins Syria and is known as Petra, as also in Lesser Armenia, Egypt, and Galatia. The very worst of all, and the least valued, being those of Thassos and Cyprus. 
The name which these stones bear originates, it is said, in the peculiar tint of their brilliancy, which, after closely approaching the color of wine, passes off into a violet without being fully pronounced, or else, according to some authorities, in the fact that in their purple color there is something that falls short of a fiery color, the tints fading off and inclining to the color of wine. All these stones are transparent and of an agreeable violet color and are easy to engrave. Those of India have in perfection the very richest shades of purple, and it is to attain this color that the dyers in purple direct all their endeavors. In presenting a fine, mellowed appearance to the eye and not dazzling the sight, as in the case with the colors of the carbunculus. Another variety approaches more nearly the hyacinth color. The people of India call this tint Sokon, and the stone itself Sokondian. A third stone of this class is of a more diluted color and is known as Sapinos, being identical with Pharanitis, so-called from a country on the frontiers of Arabia that produces it. Of a fourth kind, the color is like that of wine, and in a fifth it borders very closely upon that of crystal the purple gradually passing off into white. This last kind is but little valued, for a fine amethyst should always have, when viewed sideways and held up to the light, a certain purple refulgence, like that of carbunculus, slightly inclining to a tint of rose. Some prefer giving these stones the name of Paederos or of Anteros, while to many they are known as Venus's eyelid, a name which would seem to be particularly appropriate to the color and general appearance of the gem. The falsehoods of the magicians would persuade us that these stones are preventative of inebriety, and that it is from this that they have derived their name. They tell us also that if we inscribe the names of the sun and moon upon the stone, and then wear it suspended from the neck, with some hair of ionosyphilis and feathers of the swallow, it will act as a preservative against all noxious spells. It is said, too, that worn in any manner this stone will ensure access to the presence of kings, and that it will avert hail and the attack of locusts, if a certain prayer is also repeated, which they mention. They make similar promises, too, in reference to the smaragdus, if graven with the figure of an eagle or of a scarabaeus, statements which, in my opinion, they cannot have committed to writing without a feeling of contempt and derision for the rest of mankind. Chapter 41. Hyacinthus. Very different from this stone is hyacinthus, though partaking of a color that closely borders upon it. The great difference between them is that the brilliant violet, which is so refulgent in the amethystus, is diluted in the other stone. Though pleasing at first sight, its beauty fades before the eye is satiated. Indeed, so far is it from satisfying the sight that it almost wholly fails to attract the eye, its luster disappearing more rapidly than the tints of the flower known by the same name. Chapter 42. Chrysolithos seven varieties of it. Ethiopia, which produces hyacinthos, produces chrysolithos, also, a transparent stone with a refulgence like that of gold. The stones of India are the most highly esteemed, as also those found among the Tiberini, provided these last are not of a mottled hue. The worst in quality are those of Arabia, 
the color of them being turbid and mottled, and their brilliancy interrupted by cloudy spots. Even, too, when they happen to be limpid, they have all the appearance of being full, as it were, of a peculiar dust. The best stones are those which, when placed by the side of gold, impart to it a sort of whitish hue, and so give it the appearance of silver. When this is the case, they are set in a bezel that is open on either side, but when the stone is of inferior quality, a ground of aracoliclum is placed beneath. Chapter 43. Chrysolectrum. Though it has now altogether gone out of use for jewelry, there is a precious stone known as chrysolectrum, the color of which inclines to that of amber, but only when viewed by a morning light. The stones of Pontus are known by their lightness. Some of them are hard and reddish, while others again are soft and of a soiled appearance. According to Bacchus, these stones are found in Spain as well, in a spot where, according to him, fossil crystal has been discovered in sinking to the water level for wells. He tells us also that he once saw chrysolithus 12 pounds in weight. Chapter 4. Leucochrysos. Four varieties of it. There's also a stone known as a leucochrysos, with a white vein running across it. To this class, too, belongs Copneus a stone also which resembles glass in appearance, and another which reflects a tint like that of saffron. These stones are imitated in glass to such a degree of perfection that it is impossible to distinguish them by the eye. The touch, however, detects the difference, the imitation being not so cold as the real stone. Chapter 45. Melichrysis, Xuthon. To this class also belongs Melichrysis, a stone which has all the appearance of pure honey seen through transparent gold. India produces these stones, and although hard, they are very brittle, but not unpleasing to the sight. The same country, too, produces xuthone, a stone much used by the lower classes there. Chapter 46. Peaduros Saganon or Tenites. At the very head of the white stones is Piedros, though it may still be questionable to which of the colors it in reality belongs. As to the name, it has been much bandied about among other precious stones of conspicuous beauty that it has quite assumed the privilege of being a synonymous term for all that is charming to the eye. Still, however, there is one stone in particular which fully merits all the commendation that might be expected for a stone with so prepossessing a name for in itself it reunites the transparency of crystal, the peculiar green of the sky, the deep tints of purple, and a sort of bright reflex like that of a golden-colored wine. A reflex, indeed, that is always the last to meet the eye, but is always crowned with the lustrous hues of purple. The stone, in fact, has all the appearance of having been bathed in each of these tints individually and yet in the whole of them at once. There is no precious stone either that has a clearer water than this, or that presents a more pleasing sweetness to the eye. Piedros, of the finest quality, comes from India, where it is known as Sanginan, the next best being that of Egypt, called Tanites. That of third-rate quality is found in Arabia, but it is rough upon the surface. Next, we have the stone of Pontus, the radiance of which is softer than that of Bassus, 
which in its turn is of a more mellowed color than the stones of Galatia, Thrace, and Cyprus. The defects commonly found in these stones are a want of brilliancy, a confusion with colors which do not properly belong to them, and the other imperfections which are found in stones in general. Chapter 47. Asteria. Next among the white stones is Asteria, a gem which holds its high rank on account of a certain peculiarity in its nature, it having a light enclosed within, in the pupil of an eye, as it were. This light, which has all the appearance of moving within the stone, it transmits according to the angle of inclination at which it is held, now in one direction and now in another. When held facing the sun, it emits white rays like those of a star, and to this, in fact, it owes its name. The stones of India are very difficult to engrave, those of Carmania being preferred. Chapter 48. Astrion. Of a similar white radiance is the stone that is known as Astrion, closely resembling crystal in its nature, and found in India and upon the coast of Pauline. In the center of it there shines eternally a brilliant star with a refulgence like that of the moon when full. Some will have it that the stone receives its name from the fact that, when held opposite to the stars, it absorbs the light they emit and then returns it. The finest stones, they say, are those of Carmania, there being none more entirely free from all defects. They add also that a stone of inferior quality is known as Saronia, and that, in the worst of all, the light is very similar to that given by a lamp. Chapter 49. Astriotis. Astriotis, too, is a stone that is highly esteemed, and Zoroaster, they say, has sung its wondrous praises as an adjunct of the magic art. Chapter 50. Astrobolos. Sudin says that Astrobolos resembles the eye of a fish in appearance, and that it has a radiant white refulgence when viewed in the sun. End of section 37.